Welcome to Meant for This with Caroline J. Sumlin, a podcast to help you live boldly, fight for the freedom you are worth, and do the redemptive work in this world that we are all called to do. Here, we deconstruct systems, thoughts, and ideas that have been holding us all back from being everything we are called to be by having tough conversations that intersect faith, self-worth, social justice, mental health, motherhood, careers, and more. The goal? Change the world. One conversation, one act of resistance, and one person at a time, starting with ourselves. Why? Because you are meant for this life that you have been called to. Hey everyone, welcome back to Meant For This. Welcome to another episode. You can consider this part two of our faith deconstruction series, although this is probably, this. I might do another episode on faith deconstruction, I'm not sure. Um, I for sure wanted to do these two parts, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do a part three just yet. Um, I think it'll depend on the response that I get from you guys. But I know that the topic of this episode is one that you all have been waiting for. I alluded to a lot of this in the previous episode about why I'm deconstructing my faith. If you haven't listened to that, just go back one one episode and listen to that first and then come to this episode. In this episode, we're talking about how the American, or more specifically, I should say the Western church and Western Christianity um, is actually the founder of white supremacy and racism and um, and why that has played such a role in my deconstruction process. And this is not an easy topic to talk about. This is something that a lot of people, when they hear this, feel very feel feel attacked, right? How in the world could this faith, this religion that you have practiced, that you have believed in for your maybe your entire life or, or the majority of your life or, you know, um, thinking about the history of Christianity and everything like that, like how in the world could this faith that is supposed to be about loving every person and loving everyone as yourself and following Jesus and being being about, you know, giving yourself for Christ and giving yourself for his people, how in the world could such a religion be the founder of white supremacy and 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 be the the the, the creators of of racism. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know. And and you think about the way that um, many white Christians today, you know, in in the twenty twenties, I guess you could say, um, feel as though that just talking about racism is quote unquote racist. So there's going to be a shock factor there, like this, like how in the world would this be true if we know that God loves everybody and in fact, you know, trying to, trying to make something about race is that that's what many Christians think that making something about race is actually the opposite of honoring God. And that's not true actually at all. And and I'll, I'll definitely go into that, but that's like kind of the thought process, right? Like if you, if you talk to a typical white evangelical Christian of modern times of, of today, they're going to tell you, well, 
I love everybody because God loves everybody and Jesus loves everybody. And I, I'm just colorblind and that's the way God wants it. And so how in the world could I be racist and how in the world could Christianity be, um, be a racist religion? But the truth is it is. Now, again, I'm not saying that Jesus is racist. I'm not saying that following Jesus is racist. I'm not saying that we should all just throw Christianity out the window and say deuces. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but we cannot fit like we we cannot reckon we cannot begin to heal we cannot begin to 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 actually have improvement actually be on a path towards liberation in our society today if we do not reckon with the the, the very truth of the church's not only complicity in white supremacy, but its creation of it, its responsibility for why we have it in the first place, okay? There, we, we just cannot. It cannot be ignored. And that is exactly what people want to do. They want to ignore this huge, I don't even want to say elephant in the room because it's bigger than an elephant. It is it is a core foundation. It is it is in the very foundation of Christianity is of of western Christianity, excuse me, is white supremacy. It's it's literally in the foundation of Christianity as we know it today. And we can no longer ignore that. It just it just cannot be done. So that said, in this episode, I'm going to give you kind of like a timeline. Like how, how, how is this a thing? If you are, I don't want to say you, you need to take notes, please, you know, don't take notes, but I mean, take notes if you want to, but, I'm, but this is one of those episodes where I'm going to be teaching a little bit more than maybe the typical preaching that I tend to do in episodes. Okay. Um, so a couple of things that we're going to be talking about right now. Um, hold on one second edit. Mm. Oh. What is this one? Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay, so we're going to talk about how we got to this point that we're at how in the world is the Western church, the founders of a mayor of, of, of white supremacy. Okay. So we have to do a little bit of history, right? We, we need to start in the, we, we can kind of start in like early 17th century, but even, even prior to that, right? 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, that era um, the eras of European colonization, right? Before there was ever the quote-unquote new world or the United States of America or a, a quote-unquote discovery of these lands that belong to indigenous peoples, there was already colonization happening from European countries throughout the rest of the world. And the, and the reason behind colonization, to sum it up, was a belief of the superiority of Christianity, okay? Now, of course, back in those times, there was no reference to people as, okay, I'm white and they're black. So Europeans that were, you know, um, that were capturing Africans from 
Africa were not capturing them and saying, I'm capturing these black people. They were Africans to them or any other, any other country on earth. It wasn't, okay, they're this race or this race or this race. It was, they are, and then insert country of origin here. And then same if you were a European, you didn't refer to yourself as white. You would refer to yourself as the country of origin. So if you were from England, you were English. If you were from France, you were French, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then a person back then would have referred to themselves by what their religion is. So if they were English Protestant or English Puritan or English, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think. Of course, there's, you know, there's there's Catholic as well. Um, although I know, you know, Catholicism was more so an Irish thing, but there's, you know, the Catholic church is also in England. So anyway, um, but that, that, that would have been kind of like the, the way that people would have differentiated themselves back then. But there was still the idea of the superiority of, I am Christian. So therefore I am better and there, and, and therefore I am civilized and therefore, and my nation is Christian. My country is Christian. We are civilized. Therefore, we have the authority. We have this God-given authority and this God-given right to conquer other lands where it was believed that people were not practicing Christianity, right? Um, so some of the religious discrimination that would have been seen at that time would have, of course, been anti-Semitism, right? A deep hatred and discrimination for anyone that had an ounce of Jewish blood. That's probably one of, like, not one of the original, if we were to say in today's time, like racial discriminations or just categorical discriminations or religious discriminations would have been against Jewish people. I mean, we see in the Bible discrimination against Sumerians, right? There, we see lots of discrimination against different people groups, but this was not because of something that was outward, like, oh, you look like this or you have this brown skin. It was because this is your religious affiliation or this is your cultural affiliation. And we believe that the our religious affiliation and our cultural affiliation is better than yours. So anti-Semitism, um, anti-Muslim or discrimination against Muslims began in like the, um, the 16th century. And um, this was especially, especially with, um, you know, Muslim religions being very common in um, countries where people are of more of the darker hue. Um, this was definitely one of the largest justifications that was used when Europeans were justifying their, their conquering of indigenous lands and not just the indigenous lands here, but indigenous lands everywhere. Because again, the belief that Christianity was better. So we have the right to conquer you. We have the right to capture. We have the right to, to your land. We have the right to your body. We have the right to you because God said we're better. God has given us dominion over this earth, which means dominion over you. And there's that, that, um, that use of the scripture in Genesis that says, that God has given man dominion over, dominion over this earth. There's taking that and there is abusing that scripture. There's twisting it around and weaponizing it so that you can use it to justify, you know, gaining for your own, your own power, your own clout, your own, you know, glory 
at the at the expense of someone else's humanity. And so that that's where these attitudes were were coming from. Another racial discrimination or not excuse me, another religious discrimination that happened very very much within um within Christianity itself was also against Catholics, right? When the with the Protestant um reformation. And so there we we see a lot of that as well and that that carried over into um, the development of the United States of America. So these mindsets of superiority of one human group and inferiority of another human group, pretty much nothing new. This has been happening since the beginning of time, okay? However, but, here, but, but here's, here's what I want to highlight, though. This has been happening due to religion and due to Christianity, Christianity being the religion that ends up becoming the dominant religion of the Western world is, we can see where this is going, right? This belief of Christianity being superior and that everyone needs to bow down to basically Christianity and either become a Christian or get out of here is pretty much the, the beginning of that in the early, you know, 15th and 16th centuries is exactly why and the, and the, the beginning of that and then the development of that over the course of the centuries is why we are where we are today. It's that the religious discrimination developed into racial discrimination and developed into racial discrimination because... Christians were responsible for creating this idea of race because they realized that they were going to kind of get themselves into this tangled web if the people that they were enslaving became Christians. So that's where it ends up getting a little murky and why they're like, hmm, we need to find, and that was one of the reasons, but that was definitely a core reason as to why they said we need to figure out a different way to separate the people groups and to create this in this in this inferiority with the people that we are enslaving and make it so that it's only people that are and then of course they created the the, the race the negroid race it's only people that are of negroid race that are going to be enslaved a lot of times when we talk about slavery in America there's a lot of people that like to do the whataboutism and they do it with when it comes to the Irish indentured, excuse me, indentured servants. And they'll say, well, the Irish were slaves too. The Irish were slaves too. You don't see the Irish complaining, blah, 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 right? But here's the, here's the thing with that. Number one, in the very beginning of enslavement, there were also Irish indentured servants. Yes, they were indentured servants. And for a period of time, they were treated almost as bad as the African, as the enslaved African people, we see that Irish indentured I can't speak Irish indentured servants and enslaved Africans come together to rebel at Bacon's Rebellion, and this happens, I believe, in Virginia. Right? I'm sorry if I'm missing messing up my history, but I believe this happens in Virginia. So we see, and they see, right? White slaveholders, or at the time before the actual white race was, was created, but English slaveholders realized that bad things will happen if these two groups 
come together and unify. So while we don't like the Irish very much, the Irish, even though they were a lot of Irish were Catholic, and that was one of the reasons why they did not like Irish, because they were very anti-Catholic, Catholicism was still a, a subset of Christianity, right? So because of that, A, the Christianity part, and the, the commonality of them being from an, a place in Europe, and them noticing that they look the same, but the African, the enslaved Africans don't look like us. And they thought of the African, the enslaved Africans as savages. They thought of them as, as heathens. They thought of them as, you know, a, a, the, the, the tribalism as being pagan, right? When, 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 um, starting with, with the Portuguese, when they came to Africa and they began capturing enslaved Africans, their mindset was they're heathens, they're savages, they're pagan. It's the same thing that they thought when they came to America and they discovered the indigenous peoples. Same exact attitude because their way of living, their 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 tribal communal way of living and th the fact that many weren't practicing Christianity, but not but it's not true because Christianity does spread throughout Africa. Um, and that's that a lot of times is lost in church history. But if they weren't practicing Christianity and they had this way of life that was, you know, more villagey and more tribal than what, you know, European were, Europeans were were used to and believe it was so much better then they had already placed African people at this at the bottom of this totem pole without having created a racial group just out of the sheer fact of like, well, they're not Christian. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They're heathens. They're X, Y, and Z. And so while we don't really like the Irish because they're Catholic, they at least are civilized. They at least look like us. And it's much easier to separate the groups if we give the Irish um, indentured servants some white privileges. So that's exactly what they did. They began to write into law and say, okay, you guys are allowed to become citizens. You guys are allowed to own land and gave them these privileges that they didn't give enslaved Africans. And then they decided to create these races. And that was the mongoloid and negroid, the caucasoid, mongoloid, australoid, and negroid races. So two things were happening happening at once. There was the the Bacon's Rebellion and the and the realization that the, the two, if they come together, were gonna it was gonna not be good for the the English slaveholders. But there was also the controversy that the most of these slaveholders were Christian, white Christian men. They were Puritans. And they were like, okay, it's our Christian duty to convert these people to Christianity. But what happens if we convert them to Christianity? Then how are we going to enslave them? Because now they're one of us. They're our Christian brothers and sisters. So what do we do then? And so those two ideas is what came together to justify the creation of these races to say, okay, well, sure, convert them to Christianity. We'll just write the laws that say that if you are of the Negroid race, and you are born, you and you are born into being a Negroid. I think that the 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 law was written that if a child is born, they must take on the the um the status, the freedom status of their mothers. I believe it was right, and we know darn good and well that what was going on. You know, white slave masters were raping the um of 
enslaved African women. And so they were having babies. But of course, if the mothers were enslaved, the, even if these children were of mixed race at the time, that wasn't a term, but the term was mulatto. If these babies were born and they were mulatto, but their mother was enslaved, they became and they were automatically enslaved. So that's how they were able to justify continuing to enslave their now these people were not I shouldn't say these people, but now the enslaved people were becoming Christian as the generations were were progressing. But it's like, oh, it's fine because we've created these races and what makes you inferior is the fact that you are of the Negroid race. So this this racial hierarchy is literally created because these English Christians knew in their sub in their conscious, I'm not even gonna say in their subconscious, that if they are continuing to enslave people, they could they could find a way they let's be real, they knew that what they were doing was wrong the whole gosh darn time. But if you honestly believe that you are superior, you you find a way to justify it, you take some Bible verses and you twist it around and you say, okay, well, God says that I have dominion and da 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 you twist it around and you and you find a way to justify justify your evil your 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 evil against your fellow human. But oh now they've become a fellow Christian. I shouldn't be enslaving them. But you know, we can justify that now that now that we've created this racial hierarchy, we can justify the continuation of enslavement because they're Negroid Christians. And Negroid Christians aren't aren't on the same level as white or Caucasoid Christians. So to further justify their creation of this racial hierarchy, slaveholding Southern Christians would would use the curse of Ham, which which occurs in Genesis, and this happens when Noah's sons see them drunk, or one of the sons sees Noah drunk and comes and tells the other sons that he had seen them, and the two other sons go and cover him up, and then when Noah wakes up and excuse me, and finds out what had happened, he cursed the son that essentially, um, or I, I apologize, actually, he doesn't curse the son that saw him drunk, but he curses his other son, um, Canaan. So in this interpretation of this particular um, scripture in 16th, 17th centuries, Basically, they established that God's will was for black people to be enslaved perpetually because they were descendants of this curse. And that is complete trash. That's obviously not in the Bible. But um, that was literally what was being interpreted and what was being preached to justify again, sure, we can convert these Afri these enslaved Africans as Christians, but because they are darker, they because they fall under this curse this is this is why we can justify their um their enslavement so finding ways to twist scripture to justify racism has been happening since since not only since enslavement but literally just since since um the, the for, for the actual creation of the racial hierarchy in in general so this is happening right but Christians are insisting that enslaved Africans are being inducted to, into the Christian into the Christian faith, and this is where you see where a lot of Black people will talk about how there was the slave Bible, right? There was, um, you know, bringing um, 
enslaved Africans to church, making them sit in the back, making them hear sermons about being obedient to your master. So basically, um, Bibles were used that cut out any part of the Bible that had anything to do with escaping to freedom, like in all of Exodus, right? <laughs> like there was literal books of the Bible that were taken out and given to enslaved people to show them and to prove to them that it was God's will for them to be enslaved and it was God's will for them to obey their masters. And, and that, you know, that, that enslavement was something that was literally divinely ordained by God. Like this was, this was literally the belief. So when we say that Christianity is the creator of white supremacy, this is what we mean. It was, it was Christians who were leading the charge in the colonization, in European colonization, in the colonization of America, and in the creation of enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade and the justification of it was all done with people that were identifying as Christians and reading the Bible to, to justify why they had the right to do what they were doing. So if this is literally what's what the 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 early western church is founded on, then how in the world would we only, you know, 4 or 500 years later, sure it sounds like a lot of time, but what, why in the world would we think that especially as long as racism has been going on and and we'll we'll get into that. Why would we think that that all would all of a sudden just disappear? Why would we think that that there's there's nothing to reckon with, that there's nothing to to go back and heal from and 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 to and to point out and 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 recognize the dam not only recognize the damage but but have to work to like literally undo hundreds of years of damage that have been done to black people descended from Africa made in God's image because of this false belief that being Christian and being from a quote-unquote civilized nation, quote-unquote, because civilization is it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Civilization is in the eye of the beholder too. Civilization is not better or worse. It's just a thing, right? But because these people believed themselves to be so superior, they're, they're, this is, as a result, hundreds of years of, of damage and trauma have been done to black people and have been done all in the name of Jesus, all in the name of Jesus, because it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. And, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people may hear this and they may say, okay, great. That was back then, but that's not what has been happening since enslavement was over. And that is not true. Churches continue to be racist, to, to believe in racism, to think that racism was God ordained throughout all the way through the civil rights movement, really. And even beyond that, um, if you listen to the other podcast that I'm on, Black Girl Voices, when we talk about abortion and how the pro-life movement came to be, the pro-life movement came to be all because in the late 60s and early 70s, um, when when Brown versus Board of Education happened in 1954 and all the schools had to integrate, well, White Christians really didn't like that. And so that's where the creation of these white private Christian schools came about. They're like, okay, well, we can create these private institutions because if it's a private institution, the federal government cannot tell us what to do. And 
through those private institutions, they were able to have certain types of tax write-offs and things of that nature, and they could do what they wanted to do because really, you know, mind you, the United States, even though it is like, quote unquote, founded on Christian principles with, you know, the, the mention of God and in, in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution and the Pledge of Allegiance and all that jazz. And there was this idea of creating this like Christian nation. There's also the, the separation of church and state. And as this, as our country has developed, that has become a, a, a very important thing that that people cling to and especially the church and the church clung to that originally because they didn't want the federal government to tell them what they couldn't, couldn't do. They wanted to do things they, the way they wanted to do it. Leave the church alone because if the federal government tries to come and step in and tell us how we can practice, and this is supposed to be a country where you have the freedom to practice your religion, however you want to practice it, then we're going to have problems. So that's why these, the creation of these, these private Christian institutions came about because they're like, all right, we don't want to integrate our, we don't want to, to send our kids to school with black kids. So we're going to, everyone's going to come on over here and come to these, these white private Christian institutions. And the federal government eventually, you know, kind of told them like, hey, this, this can't continue. You have to integrate your schools. Otherwise you're going to lose your, your tax exemption status. And that happened at Bob Jones University. And if you know anything about evangelicalism, white evangelicalism and fundamentalism and all the things you know about Bob Jones University, you know about Bob Jones. And basically what happened was the, the, um, I forget the, the guys, the, all, all of the leaders names at that time, but the, the evangelical leaders names of that time, they were angry. They didn't want to be told that they had to integrate their schools. In fact, it took them until the seventies to do so. And mind you, broad, broad Brown versus the board of education was was um was passed in 1954. So that's a whole like 20 years later that they finally integrated. They finally accepted their first black student into Bob Jones University. Um, but because they were angry at this 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 in this invasion as they saw it of the federal government, they needed to find a a um a a an issue to be able to unite and and be and become a like a um like a, a excuse me, an issue to unite the Christians around the country, that they would become like a single voter. That's where the single voter issue kind of came from. And they created abortion and they kind of took abortion, which before then they really didn't think much about. They were very nonchalant towards it. In fact, they actually believe like in the Southern Baptist Convention, they believe that abortion was was like a woman's choice. They actually used to believe that. But they kind of twisted that, found scripture, twisted their beliefs, and decided they were going to be all gung-ho on being pro-life and anti-abortion because that was their their political move to get the president, the presidential party out of the White House that forced them to integrate their schools. So, so actually, pro-life, the pro-life movement that is so super quote-unquote Christian is rooted in white supremacy. In fact, it was created because they didn't want to integrate their schools. So as you can see, racism has been a founding principle of the white church throughout our history. Now, that being said, there's still going to be the whataboutisms. What about the Christians that were heading the abolitionist movement and, and were moved by their faith to realize that slavery was, was wrong? That's wonderful. 
That's that's absolutely wonderful, as as they should have, as they should have. But tell me, why is it that Christians that are moved by their faith to fight for human and civil rights since the beginning of Western of of the, of the of the the movement or the growth of Western Christianity, modern Western Christianity as we know it today, why is it that those Christians are continuously in the minority? Because the majority of what ha- of what has been preached, the majority of the message that has been preached, has been we are superior, white Christians are superior, and as a result, we have the right to do what we want and to maintain. And, and the goal should always be to maintain our superiority, and that is just the truth. So while there have definitely been Christians motivated by their faith and and standing up for the injustices that continues to be in the minority. There also is on the flip side, a lot of white saviorism as well. And Christians kind of using this savior complex of, of going to Africa and going to all these places and saving all the people and going there and saving them and, 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 and kind of essentially doing a modern day colonization. And And I'm not saying that like, we shouldn't, you know, those that believe in, in Jesus shouldn't spread the gospel like the Bible says. But there's also the 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 very real, like, again, that, that savior complex, that superiority complex of like, I'm going to come in here and just com- completely interrupt your culture, completely interrupt, you know, what you love and what you do and, and basically make you feel like your culture is inferior. And the goal is to, is to make you one of us. And the thing about it is, modern Christianity is also equivalent to, I shouldn't say equivalent to, but is, is pretty much like in tandem with, with whiteness, right? What, what ends up happening? There's an assimilation, not of a, of, not of just religion, but there's assimilation of culture. There's assimilation of ways. There's this belief again of, of civilization. We see that we saw that with this whole war in Ukraine, the way that that reporters were reporting about it, right? These are civilized countries. These are these are civilized white. Ukraine is a civilized white Christian country. So, why is this happening to them? Like that's literally the words that are coming out of reporters' mouths. So these are still the mindsets that white Christians have, and they still have this mindset that that anyone that is closer to blackness is is beneath them is not as civilized is not as this is not as that and the only way that you can sit at the table is if you completely assimilate your whole self to the point where there was this um video or something that was that had gone viral and um and this unfor- you know unfortunately we, it, it had it has worked it has worked with 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 uh, with some black christians where um this black person said something along the lines of, you know, now that I've been saved, I'm not, you know, not really worried about being, not worried about being black, but like kind of to the point where now that I'm saved, I don't really identify with being black. Like I'm a Christian now. And it's like, well, why, why, why did Jesus have to save you from your blackness? Is, is that, that literally you're saying that you believe your blackness was wrong, but now that you're a Christian, you know, you're, you're saved now from your culture, from your blackness, from the way that God made you, that, that, that is still a very real message 
that is being preached in churches today. And that's why we see the, the, the colorism argument. God, Jesus doesn't see color. He just sees us all. No, God, Jesus says, come all nations and come follow me. But he doesn't say, come all nations and leave your nation and pretend like you don't exist in the culture that you are. Not at all. But we, but this is the message that's that, that is being preached. Like you don't even need to just, just like pretend you're like not even black, like you're saved now. Just, and, but what ends up happening, like there's this, there's this, there's this assimilation to, and this submission to pretty much becoming what you see. And, and, and the culture that dominates Christianity is, is, is where whiteness comes from, is, is European. So that, so, you know, therefore, you know, there's a, there's a whiteness thread there. Um, so it, you see how problematic that is and, and how this is not anything that, that we, just because foundationally speaking, a lot of these things happen hundreds of years ago. This is not anything that we have been able to just reconcile from, to be honest with you. It's, it's very much still there. It very much has not been has not been addressed and has not been rectified. So as a result, it continues to to be a, a very prominent thread in in this religion as we as we know it today. And that's that's very unfortunate, but it's true. And and as and honestly, it seems like it's just kind of if anything pedaling backwards a bit. Um, as we've as we've seen with the rise in evangelicals and the way that you know Christian nationalism is on the rise and um, and white evangelicals that are working really hard to make sure that um, anti-racism isn't taught in schools. They're passing bills that are um, banning teaching about LGBTQ. Um, and protecting LGBTQ youth, and um, and of course we see this with um, with with abortion laws that are being passed now, where women can't have abortion past six weeks before a lot before a lot of them know that they're pregnant. A lot of this is all because there's this very deep seated belief that Christianity is superior and Christianity should be the law of the land. But Jesus never said to make Christianity the law of the land. Jesus just said to share the gospel, to share the good news of me. But we have to, we, don't, we forget that God very much gave every single human on this earth free will as far as like, it's a choice to follow Jesus. It's a choice. It is 100% a choice. And if you don't follow Jesus, guess what? God still loves you anyway. But it's, the, but never once did he say, make the, make the commandments I give you as my follower, the law, the government law of the land in which you occupy. That is not in the Bible. Yet that has become the mission of Christians today. And we still, we're still seeing very racist behaviors on, as well as the homophobic behaviors and things of that nature. And we're seeing that being completely driven by evangelicals, especially Southern ones, but evangelicals everywhere, that they're they're the ones that are that are that are driving this these this modern day racism that that we're seeing so it it very much has not left the church at all in fact there's research that states that christians white christians are 
much more likely to be racist and to believe that basically black people had it coming, for lack of better words, than white people that are not that are not affiliated with any religious, um, you know, organization or any religious um, belief. So what does that tell you? Why is it that the religion that is supposed to be about loving humanity has has become one of the most hateful, discriminatory, divisive religions on earth. One thing I did also want to touch on, though, um, is is the fact that, you know, number one, Christianity is is not the white man's religion. Um, but it, when we think of the black church, and if you're if you're not a black listener, you may not know much about the black church. You may know a little bit. It's kind of like HBCUs, historically black colleges and, uni- and universities. Because of the racism and, ex- and, ex- and exclusion, excuse me, that black people have endured since we were captured and brought here, we've had to create our own things. And we've been doing it ever since. The first institution that black people ever created that was ran, ran completely separate from anything that had to do with white society was the black church, the earliest being 1600s. Um, and the black church has been a pinnacle in, in our culture from the beginning up from its, from the very first church until today, it has been what has held and kept black people together while enduring such traumatic racism throughout the centuries. It is, be- it is the place where we have been able to be racially affirmed. And I grew up going to a black church. So all of these things that I'm sharing with you are actually very new to me. Like very, very new to me. I didn't grow up knowing anything about fundamentalism, which is basically a fancy word for saying super conservative evangelical Christian. Um, and that's where a lot of people that are deconstructing their faith right now, they come from like these fundamentalist backgrounds of just everything being super toxic, super strict, like the purity cultures, you know, the the sexual abuse or the sexual trauma or the the belief that, you know, um, women are responsible for, for a man's gaze and, you know, you can't ever have long hair, um, you know, just things like that, abusive parenting practices, just lots of strict conservative Look it up. Look up fundamentalism if you don't know anything about it. But um, I didn't know what it was. I had never heard this term before. And I kept getting a lot of people in my DMs and I was talking about the racist roots of Christianity telling me like, oh, yeah, I grew up in a fundamentalist household and we were very racist. My, my parents were very racist. My parents believed that that integration was sinful. Um, and th- that is one thing I forgot to mention. Like that is that is literally how like racism continued to the point where it was so it was so commonly preached that that black people were 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 inferior that you know white christians in the time of jim crow believed that it was ordained by god for the races to be separate to the point where just like on january 6th where jesus saved was being you know was 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 on the signs and of of this of the insurrection that people were literally doing this in the quote-unquote name of jesus people were in the name of jesus protesting integration as well and that's why dr martin luther king wrote from his letter of um, from the Birmingham jail about how he was so disgusted with white 
the white church and especially the white liberal church because he expected so much more from them and they were being silent. So he was literally talking about the the death, the the how how white silence is deadly. Like that's not a new thing. White silence being deadly is not a new thing or um because there was definitely there was a lot of Christians that were outward with their race. Even there's Christians that were just complicit, silent, maybe knew it was wrong, but didn't want to say nothing because still they still kind of like low key believed it. So anyway, saying that to say that, um, oh shoot, where was I going with that? Um, so yeah, so coming back, I had a lot of people that would DM me and tell me like, this was very much the kind of household that they grew up in. But like, I, I didn't know this because I'm black. I grew up in a black church and all I knew was a racially, that, that was the only place I, I was racially affirmed. That was, that was again, my refuge. That was, that was a place where I felt at home, even though my relationship with Jesus wasn't super strong when I was attending my black church as a child. That was like, I didn't, all I knew about churches that white folks went to was that they was probably quiet and didn't really get up and dance and sing and shout the way we did. And that black folks, everything was a party. Everything was, was hype. Everything was, was exciting and fun. And that's the only difference that I knew. And I tried going to church with a couple of my white friends when I was in middle school. And I was like, what is this? Why, why are we sitting here? We can't do nothing. Like it, it, there, there was, that was all I knew. I had no idea. I'd never heard anything about church history. I'd never heard about Protestant Reformation. I had never heard about Calvinism. I had never heard about evangelicalism. I definitely, of course, I knew that that there was the whole like the slave Bible and things of that nature. But I, I honestly thought it stopped there too. I didn't know about the racism from the church. I just really didn't think about it. I guess to me, I thought about, well, I knew all white folks were pretty much racist until I, you know, maybe the nineties. And I thought that maybe it got better. Like I, as a child, that's pretty much all I knew, but I didn't realize just how big of a role of a founding role in racism that that the white church played and I definitely didn't know that that white Christians that were complicit in racism were doing so because they believed that Jesus actually wanted it that way like that was the the, the level that I didn't that I I didn't really realize um I didn't know about this whole like conservativeness. I didn't I didn't know about evangelicalism or anything like that until like the last couple of years and that's because you know, I, I had to kind of look it up and figure out, well, why are all these white Christians that I thought were my friends becoming so racist all of a sudden? And 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 much to my surprise, it wasn't an all of a sudden thing at all. This has actually been there all along. This is this is the root of, of this is this is within the foundation of 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 you know white American Christianity. So I've had to kind of do a lot of learning for myself, but for most people that are that are in this like deconstruction space, they're deconstructing from this racist upbringing where like, I didn't know about this. I'm deconstructing from faith because, you know, yes, the black church has its own flaws. As, believe me, like because every institution in America is under the, the umbrella of white supremacy, that means black institutions as well. And as a result, there is still, you know, there are still toxic things that happen within every single institution. And Black institutions are not are not exempt from that. Um, so there, unfortunately, there's just teachings and and behaviors and things that have that have carried over that have crossed the color lines, if you will. Um, but even though I didn't grow up in like a racist household, I was on the receiving end of racism. I was on the receiving end of all of this. I still spent the last like 
10, 11 years under the leadership of a white church. And I spent, I, I really for a long time believed that the non-denominational kind of new age, modern Christianity was the way to go. As I said in my last episode, I, I really did. So, and, and I, I allowed myself just like I have done all of my life, even though I've always been proud to be black, I've also allowed myself to believe that in many ways, whiteness was superior. I was doing it to the point of it being subconscious. Like I didn't even realize it was happening. I've had to, I've had to kind of take us, take us kind of sit down and, 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 and recollect and, and recognize like, oh, I didn't realize this is what I was doing all this time with beauty standards, with, with intellectual standards, with, um, and, and with religious standards as well. I didn't realize that I was idolizing the whiteness that I saw when I started to choose to worship more like the white people. And of course, I thought it was okay because I was like, well, look, there's all different colors worshiping like this. And this is just like, this is the way we all come together. If we all come together like this, I, I thought I was like, okay, well, it's not the black church. It's not the white church. It's multicultural. It's great. And we're all going to sing these songs and do it together. And it's not this. It's not what I saw growing up. It's like, it's this new thing. And I thought it was kind of like, I thought it was kind of like its own thing, its own way of being like just no more divide, I guess, between the black and the white church. And so I thought it was great, but I didn't realize that, no, I was still subscribing to this, this, to this, um, to the superiority belief of whiteness. And, um, to, to the point where I had, I had at one point that I never wanted to go back to the black church ever again. I thought it was, I, I thought it was too old, antiquated and, and, um, and that I wasn't going to get the same relationship with the Lord that I was getting now. And, and the truth is, I, again, I was, I was allowing myself to believe that the black church was inferior when in fact the black church has the, has been the pinnacle, has been the exception to the racist rule of white Christianity, of American Christianity this entire time. So it's, it's the fact that I have been, that I allowed myself to be blinded, um, it's something I'm repenting from and it's something that I'm really re unlearning and relearning and deconstructing and, and apologizing to myself and apologizing to the black church as a whole for how I allowed myself to believe these things. Because just because you have a bunch of people of different colors worshiping in one church, but all you are willing to do is sing songs from one particular Australian white band that is not at all in any way, shape or form inclusive. And if you are, and if that, and if that same the same institutions are still preaching very subtle messages of racism or even loud messages of messages of racism of, you know, not standing for black lives matter and, you know, voting certain politicians in office that do not care about black lives and gaslighting you when you say that, you know, racist things are happening or even just or, or participating in racist things with, within the church and silencing people of color. Uh, then just because you got people of color on your stage or in your pews does not mean a gosh darn thing. So I realized just how pretty much I had fallen for the okie doke. And that's not even just within a church building. That's also within the online world. You know, I was really connecting with a lot of people that I had met online that were Christian and and uh, most of them were white. And I thought the, the world of them, I thought like, oh, they're so loving. They're so gentle. They're so this, they're so that. And, 
And then, of course, when it came down to, you know, fighting for fighting for racial injustice is was when I is when the crickets came or when I saw um, some very hurtful, hateful comments that made me realize that my life didn't matter at all. And and again, uh, I had realized like what what had really happened. So um, even though I didn't grow up under this like fundamental conservative Christian situation, I still have to deconstruct from what I allowed myself to be under the spiritual authority I allowed myself to be under for so many years and still also have to not again, not saying the black church is perfect because it's not there's, there's definitely things that were learned, you know, within, within church growing up that also um, submitted to white supremacy. Because like I said, we're all under the umbrella of white supremacy. And unless you are actively making sure that you are recognizing it and divesting from it and dismantling it within yourself and with your institution, it's going to be there because it's our cultural norm. So if you just go along with the norms and you don't check them and make sure that they're not um, they're not subscribing to white supremacy, you will by default subscribe to white supremacy. That's just the way it's going to go. So as a result, there's definitely... Like everyone should have to deconstruct something with within within their lives, whether it's religion or not, because all of our institutions are under this umbrella. And that's exactly why I'm here. That's why this podcast this this why my content has taken the turn that it has taken, because my role, what I want to do is to help all of us do this work to deconstruct and to dismantle um, the white supremacy culture within ourselves and then in our society and world as a whole, because it is killing us, for lack of better words. You know, maybe it not only does it actually take physical lives because of the way that laws and laws and policies are written that that put lives at risk, marginal lives at risk, but it's also killing us softly, spiritually, like mentally, um, emotionally. So I'm so passionate about this because now that I have like literally seen the light, I just want everyone else to see it as well. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up. That is the very brief rundown of the white American church and it's, in it's, um, not only complicity in white supremacy, but it's role in the founding of white supremacy and racism and it being the leader of why we have the racial hierarchy we have today, why we have the beliefs, the racial worldview, the, the, the superiority versus inferiority the anti-blackness versus, you know, strive for whiteness, all of that, it, it comes from the Western church and, and, and especially here in America. And until we, not just here in America, Europe, Europe as well, but like, but until we reconcile that, um, it's just going to, it's just going to continue. It's just going to continue to evolve over time as it always has. So love to hear from you. Um, let me know in the comments on my posts today on Instagram, if you're listening to this the day that it airs, or um, join the discussion on Patreon. That's where we have these discussions. Once a week, I have a weekly Q&A and we chat about the content that I write and create and ask questions and go deeper. And then actually once a month, I do a live stream as well to go further and have um, and have further conversations. So join the conversation either on Instagram or on Patreon, or you can just support for $3 a month and you just, that's just supporting my work. That would be any, any, any and every single dollar is, is super helpful. Um, 
and or if you're not able to support monetarily, I totally understand sharing content online, subscribing to the newsletter to kind of stay involved or or whatever works for you. Um, every single little bout of support helps rating and reviewing the show. The show is just now coming back after almost a year of hiatus. And so uh, it doesn't get as many rev- uh, downloads as it used to because I was dormant for a long time. So if you're getting anything from this show, I would greatly appreciate you taking in the time to rate and review it on iTunes and um, share it with a friend, share it via text message or share it to your Instagram tor- stories and tag me so I can reshare that and show me that you're listening. As always, I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Meant for This. You can check out the show notes for this episode at carolinejsomlin.com slash blog. If you love what you heard today, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of today's episode was by taking a screenshot of you listening to the show, sharing it to your Instagram stories, and tagging me so I can see it and connect with you. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I'll see you next time.